0: Well, welcome everybody, welcome to River Glen. For those of you uh, here in Waukesha, or whether you're at our Pewaukee campus or online, wherever you are, I'm so glad that you are are here today. Hey, a few weeks back, Steve was up here and he told us that we had 600 hours before Christmas. And I remember at the time thinking, that is a long time, 600 hours. I had plenty of time to get things done. I wish he would have used weeks because I got way behind. And just to let you guys know, we are down to 200 hours or a week, if that sounds a little bit better. But we are definitely running out of time. There's a lot of places that you could be today, but I'm so glad that you're choosing to be here today as we continue in this series called This Is For Everyone. And today we're going to talk about Christmas is for everyone. And Christmas is, is probably everybody's favorite holiday, but the thing I enjoy the most about Christmas is getting ready, and grabbing everything, and setting everything up. And in our house, we go down, we grab all the Christmas bins from the basement, and we bring them up, and my wife goes through them, and she decides which ones are worthy enough to, to make it to the tree when their ornaments or which decorations go up. And I'll tell you, it is not a democracy in our house. She makes the decision, and a lot of mine don't make the cut. And I'll give you an example of a few that don't make it each year. There's my moose, But she's missing the two legs, but if you don't look at it, it looks like it's fine. So uh, the moose generally doesn't make it. And then uh, this one I've had since I was a little kid, and I'm assuming it's an elephant. I believed it's an elephant all these years, except recently I've noticed if you look at his feet, they look more like flippers, so now I'm starting to second guess uh, what they actually are. And then if you look at the tree, there's a star up there. It's a tinfoil star. It's been up there 10 or 12 years Uh, One of my kids made it. Notice it's on the tree. I'm not sure how that makes it on the tree, but my elephant with flippers actually doesn't make it. Now, nativity scenes, if you have kids, you have a nativity scene that probably looks a little bit like my Joseph. Here we have Joseph. As You can notice he's missing a hand. We have no idea what what happened to it. Um, I've talked to a lot of people this week, and they said the same thing. Their nativity sets are filled with a sheep maybe without an ear, or maybe it's an angel with a chipped wing, or maybe it's a a broken manger. But the truth is, unless it's missing a head, we're going to continue to put it up inside of our nativity scene. It's a little bit like the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, except in our house, it's kind of like the misfit decorations. Now, I believe that there is uh, a reason why uh, that we have them that way in our house, and the reason why we like them so much is it represents kind of the characters and the people that were in the first Christmas story. And I think they were a little bit like that. They were a little bit chipped, maybe a little bit frayed, a little rough around the edges. And this is what I believe. I believe that God was very intentional about those people that were in the story. If you look at Luke, it says in Luke 2, verse 10, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Let's say that together, the part that's highlighted. Ready? All the people. You know, God made this very clear that Christmas is for everyone, and Christmas is for who? All the people. Thank you. You know, we see it throughout the Christmas story. We see it in who God chose to announce the birth of his son to. We see that it was for people that were kind of in the middle. And I I definitely think that you could say that Joseph and Mary... We're probably in the middle. If blue collar was a term back then, I think that'd be a great description of the two of them. Mary was a young mother. Joseph was a, a young carpenter. They lived in a town called Nazareth, and Nazareth wasn't really highly thought of or highly regarded. Matter of fact, we see in John 146 when Philip, one of the first disciples, he goes to tell his friend Nathaniel about the, this guy, this Jesus from Nazareth, and this is what Nathaniel says. He goes, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? So I'm thinking, you know, this is kind of like the the Chicago of the day. I, I'm sorry, with the game today, with Chicago and Packers, I, I had to get that out. But but I am I am kidding, kind of. Uh, they were just average, ordinary people. They came from a hardworking town filled with fishermen and, and tradesmen. But it says in scripture that. God found favor with a virgin named Mary from Nazareth, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. And this child inside of her would grow to be um, fully human, but also fully God. So we have Mary, and then there's Joseph. And we see in Matthew 1, 20, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. No matter how many times I hear about this story, all I can think about is what's going through Mary and Joseph's head. I mean, if you think about it, for Mary, she's got to be thinking, so you're telling me my baby is going to be the son of God. How unbelievable must have that felt for her? Or what about Joseph? I mean, this is his fiance we're talking about, and I don't think he's so much concerned about who this baby's gonna be, but he's probably wondering a lot about how this baby's gonna come to be. He's probably thinking, so you're telling me my fiance is pregnant. Now, how did this happen again? I couldn't imagine being in their shoes. I mean, it has to be this most incredible story and feeling to be able to hear this and to know that these middle-class parents from Nazareth are now gonna be the parents of the Son of God, can you imagine? Right off the bat, they're going to be changing God's diapers. I, I couldn't even—I couldn't even fathom that. Or what about Joseph? We know he's a carpenter, and we know that Jesus is a carpenter. So at some point, Joseph was probably trying to teach Jesus, by the way, the creator of the universe, carpentry skills. How do you think that that went? I mean, I can imagine Jesus listening to his dad and thinking. Yeah, Dad, you told me a hundred times. I think I've got it by now. Or what about dinner? What about the pressure of making dinner for the Son of God? You know, it, the whole thing is incredible. But you see, they're just like any other family, any other middle-class family from that time. People in, the, the people in the Christmas story and Joseph and Mary were, was for people that were in the middle. But Christmas is also for another group of people, people who feel trapped and invisible at the bottom. Whenever we hear stories of the shepherds, we tend to see them as these noble and socially acceptable characters. But the truth is, the shepherds in that day, they lived with the sheep, and so they smelled like the sheep. You know, we've talked about it where they they weren't really highly thought of in their society, but the reality was very different for them. They came in contact with blood, and blood was forbidden by the law, and this made them unclean. So unless they were ritually cleaned... A Jew wouldn't have anything to do with a shepherd. And so because of the nature of their work, they they weren't really allowed to be close to places of worship. And a good Jew would worship weekly. So this really kind of left them on the outside, on the, the fringe of society. Now that's how society viewed them, but how did God view them? He chose the shepherds to be the first people to hear the announcement of the birth of his son. And then it says a huge choir of angels, actually the Bible describes it as a great company of heavenly hosts, showed up singing glory to God in the highest. A great company of heavenly hosts actually means that there was literally an army of angels. Scholars believe that you couldn't even count how many angels, probably every angel that had ever been created throughout time was there that day on the hillside. And think about this, they all showed up for the lowly in society, the shepherds. Could God have made this announcement any more clear that he is for everyone? You know, he could have made that first announcement to the rulers or to the powerful. You'd think at least he would have made that first announcement to the religious leaders or maybe even the high priest. But instead he he chose to announce it to the shepherds. The good news of Jesus was for people at the bottom. You know, this is why contribute is one of our three C's, one of our core values here. This is why we find it important to unleash a wave of of compassion, both locally and globally. This is why we started, through your generosity, Love Waukesha and Love Pewaukee, where we help schools like Whittier Elementary or we build homes for Habitat. This is why we Build and plant churches in places like Ecuador and Haiti, and why in Kenya we provided clean drinking water and built a school for them as well. And this is why today, after the service, we're asking all of you to join us as we go into the lobby and we put together and make blankets for those in need, and that we make cards for the elderly that are in nursing homes. We do this because the birth of uh, Jesus is good news for the people at the bottom, and it's good it's good news for people in the middle. But guess what? It's also good news for people at the top, for those that have more than others, for those that are more fortunate, for those that are highly respected in society. Who else was in the story? Who else came to see that baby that was born? It says wise men, magi from the east came bearing gifts. Uh, We don't know a lot about these men and despite what people say, we actually don't really even know how many came. We do know that magi would have followed the the stars. They would have been wealthy. They would have been highly respected in their society. And other countries would have respected them as well. And we know they were wealthy by the types of gifts they brought. First of all, they brought gold. Gold was something that you brought a king. They brought frankincense, which was something that was used by the high priest to be able to give access and to worship God. And then they brought myrrh, which was used to anoint the dead and prepare a body for burial. What I found was so significant about the gifts that they they brought was God even used their gifts to tell and proclaim who Jesus was and what he came for. Think about it. They brought gold because he was the king of kings and he was the Lord of lords. They brought frankincense because he now was going to be our access to God. And he brought myrrh because he was the little baby that was born in a manger who was going to die for our sins. Because he was for all the people, he was going to die for all the people. God made this so clear to us that this baby that was born in a manger was for everyone. It was for people in the middle like Mary and Joseph. It was for people at the bottom like the shepherds. And it was for people, for people at the top like the wise men. It was for the young and it was for the old. He's for the people who know Jesus and for the people who haven't even begun to seek him. And he's for the people who think they've gotten it all together and for the people that feel like it's all fallen apart that's why we have a sign in front of our building that stays up there all during the week and it says come as you are we believe that if Jesus was for everyone then we're going to be a church and we're going to be a people that is for everyone christmas is for all the people and christmas is for you that's who it's for so what does that mean Well, maybe you've seen this video. It went viral a few years back. And if you're a parent, you've probably experienced a Christmas morning like this once before. Check it out. Don't you like it? My toys. I love that. I love the fact that she waits at the end and is just thinking, like, do I really like it? Um, how many of you experienced that before? Now, now, how many of you have been that little girl before? <laughs> now, I'll tell you, whether you raised your hand or not, there's probably been times when uh, you were just like that. Um, the difference is, is that you probably hit it under... Wow, that's a a really unique gift. And I'm talking about you know maybe that that sweater that you got from grandma, that red one, and the only reason why you call it red is because that's about the closest color that you've ever seen uh, to the color. Or men, maybe you went out and you bought a scale, and if you did, I'm begging you to please take that back. That is not a good gift. I don't care how many bells and whistles are on it. We love you, we like you, we want you here next week, so take that back. And if you're a 13-year-old boy and you get deodorant in your stocking, I know you're thinking, what a horrible gift that's just like mine. That's a little bit different. That's actually a really good gift, so hold on to that. (laughs) But here's what it means. Just like that video, when Jesus was born, he didn't look like much of a gift either. If you think about it, he was born in a feeding trough amongst a bunch of smelly animals. But the Bible makes a claim about this baby in a manger that is so much more than that. And this is really important, and if you can grasp this, it will change everything about your past and the things that you hide from. It'll change everything about your your present and the things that you worry about and the hopelessness that you have, and it'll change your future and the, the things that you start to get anxiety about. I want you to read from Matthew's version of the birth of Jesus Christ. He talks about the Virgin Mary, and he says, "...the Virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with, uh, God with us. I want you to say that with me. God with us. God with us. That's a game changer, those three words. Let me ask you, what made Mary and Joseph fight past all their fear and doubt when they heard the angels tell them what was going to happen to them? What, what made the shepherds fight past their fears and they left the hillside running to go see this baby in a manger and they left rejoicing. What made the wise men travel such long distances just so they could bow down on bended knee in front of that baby? It's because every one of them knew that this baby that had been born had signified that God wasn't removed or distant, God wasn't busy or detached from us. But instead, I want you to hear this God is, God was, and God will be with me. Once again, I want to say that, but I want you to say that with me. God is, God was, and God will be with me. I'm going to ask you to say it a third time. God is, God was, and God will be with me. You know, they say repetition can rewire our brain of negative thinking. And I asked you to say it that many times because I don't think we always believe that, do we? We pray it. We pray it when we head out on a trip, and we say, "God, be with us as we travel to wherever you might be going for the holiday." We say that we go on a job interview. God, be with me on this job interview. Please don't let me say anything stupid. It's a prayer I say often before I come up on stage. <laughs> but the truth is, is we don't always believe it, do we? And for some of us, this whole concept of God being with us is, if we're honest, is is completely foreign. You hear the Christmas story every year, Mary, Mary and Joseph and the angels and the shepherds and the wise men, and it's a great Christmas story, Don, but I'll tell you, I, I don't sense that God's with me. Maybe you're not buying God is. You have no idea what I'm struggling with, the, the things I'm dealing with, the secrets I'm holding on to, and until I can get rid of those or get control of those, I don't really think that God would want to even be with somebody like me. And maybe you're thinking this is something that you maybe need to earn first. Or maybe you look back on your life and you just question, was God ever there with me? Where was he when my parents went through that divorce? Where was he when I lost a loved one? Where was he when I lost that relationship or that job? Now for others, maybe for some of you in in this room, you believe that God's been with you. You believe he's with you now. But you have this unhealthy fear and anxiety of the future. You watch the news and you see the chaos and you start to wonder, what kind of country am I going to live in? What kind of world is this going to turn out to be? How will I raise my kids or my grandkids in this world? And it starts to stress you out and you're not seeing God will be with me. Instead, you just stress out. Or maybe you're young and and you're worried about what college you're going to be able to get into or what's going to happen after college and what type of job will I be able to get and how will I take care of myself? Or maybe you worry about the other end of the spectrum and you worry about retirement. How will God take care of me? What will I do? How much money do I have in my 401K? God is, God was, but will God be with me? I know it's hard to believe now, but look at Mary discovered. In Luke chapter 1, verses twenty. 28, greetings you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. You can trust on this promise. You can count on this. The Lord is with you. Sometimes when you get farther away from things and you get more removed, you're able to see things in a little bit different light. When when I look back on my life, I'm blown away at how many times that God was with me when I wasn't sure if he really was. And I didn't see it. I look back at, at my younger years and just how rebellious I was. And no matter how many times I thought, man, I think you've went too far this time. God was there saying, nope, I'm still here with you. My parents used to say, God has a gift for everyone. They used to say, Donnie, God has a gift for everyone. That's what they called me was Donnie. Every, every, God has a gift for everyone. And your gift is you're always going to get caught. And, and I will tell you, that was, a, that was a gift that I had. I got caught all the time but I remember when I was 23 and I remember when my girlfriend came to me and she told me that she was pregnant and I remember specifically the embarrassment that I felt when I had to talk to my parents and I had to go to her parents and I had to tell her parents what had happened. I remember thinking about what were the leaders in the church going to say? These are people that I was close to and my parents were close to and I wondered how they would respond and how they would treat me. But God was with me even though I didn't see it. And I saw God move through my parents, and they showed me his compassion and his grace and his love. And those leaders in the church, they did the same thing. And they didn't say anything to me. They just came up to me, and they gave me a hug. And that was something that I needed at that time. You see, they were a, they were a come-as-you-are type of church, just like this one. We got married. We had two beautiful children We both started working in youth ministry and became leaders there. And and I will tell you, life couldn't get any better. And I definitely felt like that God was with me at that time. That is until she told me that she was leaving me and that she was leaving our children behind as well. And I was devastated raising two small children alone. I was clearly lost. And in that moment, I felt like God had abandoned me and that God was not with me in that moment. But you know what? I way underestimated God, and he was with me through one of the darkest periods of my life, and he had a plan for me, and he had a plan for other people in my life, and he put a woman named Allison into my life, the most beautiful woman, and and this year we've celebrated our 21st wedding anniversary, and she has been an unbelievable partner and mom, and now to all four of our children. Now, both of us would tell you through the good times and through the bad times, through the peaks and the valleys, and I'll tell you, some of those peaks have been high and amazing, but we've had some valleys to match. But I will tell you, through every single step of the way, God has been with us. And friends, the reason why is he's always going to be with us. I still remember when I was nine years old, I made the decision when I was going to give my life over to Jesus And he was going to accept me and forgive me for all the sins that I had. And he continues to forgive me and accept me from this day. God has always been with me. And it wasn't because I cleaned up my life first. And God knows it wasn't because I I stayed on the straight and narrow and I was always doing the right decision, making the right decisions. He stayed with me because he is Emmanuel. He is the God who is, the God who was, and the God who will always be. And that That, my friends, means that he's with you. In Luke 19, it says, Jesus makes this statement, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Notice the term lost. He uses that term because it puts value on it. You don't say, I lost my piece of gum. You misplaced it. You don't lose a a charging cord. You misplace it. You don't lose a pair of socks. You misplace them. It's usually not a pair. You usually misplace one. But you say, my wallet, my diamond ring, my child is lost. When you you lose the ring, what do you do? You search all over for it. When you lose your wallet, what do you do? You drive all over the the city trying to figure out where the last place you might have left it. When you lose your kid at the grocery store, what do you do? You go look for it. You finish grocery shopping in peace, but then you go look for the kid. (laughs) Jesus said, I came to save and seek what was valuable, what was lost. And Jesus is saying, you are so valuable that I'm not going to stop seeking you. And I'm not going to stop until I find you. Everyone needs to know this, that there is a real God who is for you no matter what. And you matter to him. And I want to ask you a question is, who do you know in your life? Who do you know that come in contact with that needs to know this? I heard of a guy in his 80s, and he had uh, not been able to hear for about 20 years, and so he went to a doctor because he had heard about these new hearing aids. And uh, the doctor installed them in, and this guy could just hear everything. It was like a miracle. He could hear every single sound. And so he went home. He was excited. He came back two weeks later to get a checkup with the doctor, and and the doctor said, how's it going? He goes, Doc, man, it is just unbelievable. I can hear every single sound, every single word, thank you. And the doctor said, man, your family must be thrilled. And he goes, oh, I haven't told him yet. (laughs) And he said, matter of fact, he goes, I've had to change my will four times just in the last two weeks. We laugh, but we we get like this sometimes, don't we? Friends, you have the most amazing thing that has happened to you. Jesus has sought you out and he has saved you. And you have a God who is with you and will never leave you. And he has given you the most unbelievable life. But just like that man, for some of you, it's been a long time since you've told anybody about it. Hasn't it? Okay. Are you guys a good news or a bad news kind of crowd? Well, we're going to do bad news, and then we'll go to good news. (laughs) Did you know that Wisconsin is ranked 46 in church attendance? 73% do not attend a church. And for those that you don't know, that's 46 out of 50. That is not good. But here's the good news. During Christmas, everything changes. Six out of every ten people said they will attend a Christmas service. Among those who don't go to a church, 57% said they would attend if if somebody asked them. I can tell you there are seasons when people's hearts are more open to an invitation to church, and Christmas is one of them. Last year, we had over 4,000 people come to a Christmas Eve service just here at our Waukesha campus. This year we have two campuses, one in Waukesha and one in Pewaukee, and we have nine services. So I hope you're planning to be bold in your invitations. This year we have all kinds of things that can help you with, it, with that, because I know that's hard to do. We've got uh, invite pieces that they're gonna give you as, as you leave today, take some of those. If, if you're uncomfortable in handing it to somebody, just run up and throw it on their door and ring the doorbell. Uh, Do whatever it takes. Get one of those invitations into somebody's hand. Uh, You can go to any kind of social media. We're posting things on Facebook and on Twitter and Instagram, and you can share those and, and invite people that way. You can go to our webpage. We have an eVite, and all you need to do is you just go to it, you put in somebody's email address, and you hit share, and it'll go directly to them, and they'll get a a personal invitation. Use that. Do whatever it takes. Bribe people. Tell them you'll bring them cookies. Tell them you'll take them to dinner. Whatever it takes, get them here. Because the reason why is because Christmas is for everyone, and Jesus came to be with them. And they need to know this. For those of you here today that have a relationship with Jesus, I don't know what mountains that he's climbed with you. I don't know what valleys he's walked you through. But I do know this. I know that your God has been faithful. I know that he has never failed you and his promises still stand. So to you, I want to ask you, who do you know in your life that needs to know this, that needs to know that Jesus is for everyone? In a moment, I'm going to close this in prayer and then we're going to worship together one more time. And this is what I want to do today. We have, a, we have doors up here, and in Pewaukee, you have a door right here as well. And those doors represent an open door here at River Glenna, a come-as-you-are type of door. And for many of you, there's a name that, that's on your mind, or maybe a family's name, that you know that they need to hear this news, that this church is for them, that God's table is for them, and that Jesus is for them. And you're going to do your part in inviting them. And we want to do our part in lifting those names up in prayer. So here's what we're going to do. When the the music starts to play, we're going to ask you to come up, put the names on the door. And then during the week, we're going to pray around these doors. The staff have committed to pray over these doors every day. And we've asked the high school team tonight to come in, and they're going to pray over the doors. And junior high meets on Wednesday, Edge, they're going to come, and they're going to pray over these doors. And in Pewaukee on Wednesday at 630 to 830, the prayer team is going to be there and the doors are open. We invite all of you to come in and pray over those doors. And our doors are always open here. The lobby doors will be open. All you need to do is come in and these will be up here at the front and and we invite you to come pray over those as well. Now for those that of you that that are in the room that are saying, listen, I, I don't know of a name that I could put up there. Matter of fact, I'm not even sure what I think about all this. My name should probably be on that door. I want to invite you to come up and, and just put your name on the door. We'd love to pray for you. And if that's too big of a step for you right now, we have welcome cards in the seat back in front of you, and all you need to do is pull that out. We'd love it if you just put your name on there and write down how we can pray for you. But I want you to know something. I want you to know it is not an accident that you are here today. That God has you in that seat for a reason. The truth is, is that what I said today is real. There is a God who values you. He has sought you out. And he wants you with him. Last week we had 27 people that said, I believe that. I believe that Jesus Christ loves me. I believe that he came in this world to save me. And they showed that commitment by getting baptized. Now, maybe you weren't here last week, and you're thinking, I missed out on that. But if we had an opportunity today, I would do that. Well, we filled that up for you today. Or maybe, maybe you were here last week, but you just didn't have the, the nerve maybe to do that. Or maybe you just weren't quite ready. Well, maybe today is the day. And the only thing we need you to do is just to say yes. We have everything that you need. After the service, we'll have somebody up here at the front, and we just ask that you just come up, and they'll take care of everything. We have towels, we have shorts, we have shirts. There's nothing that you need just to come up. Let's go ahead and pray. God, I pray now that your spirit will continue to move through this church and through our lives. We know that you loved us so much that you sent your son into this world to let us know that Christmas is for everyone, that you are Emmanuel and that you are with us, and that You are for everyone. Father, I know we struggle with this at times. and We feel like it's something that we have to earn. But God, I pray that your spirit will give us the confidence and the peace that you have been and that you are and that you will always be with us. Father, for those who have not made up their mind yet or the decision to be with you, I I pray that you move and, and open their eyes to you and that they feel the love that only you can provide. For all those names on these doors, we lift those up to you as well. And we pray we have an opportunity and and really the boldness to share that this church is for them, that God's table is for them, and that Jesus is for them. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.